Dependent Shakespeare presents The Rape of Lucrece, Part 2. Her lily hand, her rosy cheek, lies under, cozening the pillow of a lawful kiss. Who, therefore angry, seems to part in sunder, swelling on either side to want his bliss? Between whose hills her head entombed is, where, like a virtuous moment, she lies, to be admired of lewd, unhallowed eyes. Without the bed her other fair hand was, on the green coverlet, whose perfect white showed like an April daisy on the grass, with pearly sweat resembling dew of night, her eyes like marigolds had sheathed their light, and canopied in darkness sweetly lay, till they might open to adorn the day. Her hair, like golden threads, played with her breath. O oh, modest wantons, wanton modesty! showing life's triumph in the map of death, and death's dim look in life's mortality, each in her sleep themselves so beautify, as if between them twain there were no strife, but that life lived in death and death in life. Her breasts like ivory globes circled with blue, a pair of maiden worlds unconquered, save of their lord no bearing yoke they knew, and him by oath they truly honoured. These worlds in Tarquin new ambition bred, who, like a foul usurper, went about from this fair throne to heave the owner out. What could he see but mightily he noted? What did he note but strongly he desired? What he beheld on that he firmly doted, and in his will his willful eye he tired. With more than admiration he admired her azure veins, her alabaster skin, her coral lips, her snow-white dimpled chin. As the grim lion fawneth over his prey, sharp hunger by the conquest satisfied, so o'er the sleeping soul doth Tarquin stay, his rage of lust by gazing qualified. Slacked, not suppressed, for standing by her side, his eye, which late this mutiny restrains, unto a greater uproar tempts his veins. And they, like struggling slaves for pillage fighting, obdurate vessels fell exploits affecting, in bloody death and ravishment delighting, nor children's tears, nor mother's groans respecting, swell in their pride the onset still expecting, and on his beating heart alarm striking, gives the hot charge and bids them do their liking. His drumming heart cheers up his burning eye, his eye commends the leading to his hand, his hand as proud of such a dignity, smoking with pride marched on to make his stand, on her bare breast the heart of all her land, whose ranks of blue veins, as his hand is scaled, left there round Taris, destitute and pale. They, mustering to the quiet cabinet, where their dear governess and lady lies, 
Do tell her she is dreadfully beset, and fright her with the confusion of their cries. She, much amazed, breaks open her locked-up eyes, who, peeping forth this tumult to behold, are by his flaming torch dimmed and controlled. Imagine her as one in dead of night, from forth dull sleep by dreadful fancy waking, that thinks she hath beheld some ghastly sprite, whose grim aspect sets every joint a-shaking. What terror it is, but she is worth her taking. From sleep disturbed, heedfully doth view the sight which makes supposed terror true. Wrapped and confounded in a thousand fears, like to a new-killed bird she trembling lies. She dares not look, yet winking there appears, quick-shifting antics ugly in her eyes. Such shadows are the weak brain's forgeries, who, angry that the eyes fly from their lights, in darkness daunts them with more dreadful sights. His hand that yet remains upon her breast, rude ram to batter such an ivory wall, may feel her heart, poor citizen, distressed, wounding itself to death, rise up and fall, beating her bulk that his hand shakes withal. This moves in him more rage and lesser pity to make the breach and enter this sweet city. First, like a trumpet, doth his tongue begin to sound a parley to his heartless foe, who o'er the white sheet peers her whiter chin, the reason of this rash alarm to know, which he by dumb demeanor seeks to show, but she with vehement prayers urgeth still, under what color he commits this ill. Thus he replies, the color in thy face that even for anger makes the lily pale, and the red rose blush at her own disgrace shall plead for me and tell my loving tale. Under that color am I come to scale thy never conquered fort. The fault is thine, for thine eyes betray thee unto mine. Thus I forestall thee, if thou mean to chide. Thy beauty hath ensnared thee to this night, where thou with patience must my will abide, my will that marks thee for my earth's delight, which I to conquer sought with all my might, but as reproof and reason beat it dead, by thy bright beauty was it newly bred. I see what crosses my attempt will bring, I know what thorns the growing rose defends, I think the honey guarded with a sting, all this beforehand counsel comprehends. But Will is deaf and bears no heedful friends, only he hath an eye to gaze on beauty, and dotes on what he looks against law or duty. I have debated even in my soul what wrong, what shame, what sorrow I shall breed, but nothing can affection's course control or stop the headlong fury of his speed. I know repentant tears ensue the deed, reproach, disdain, and deadly enmity, yet strive I to embrace mine infamy. This said, he shakes aloft his Roman blade, which like a falcon towering in the skies, couches the fowl below with his wing's shade, whose crooked beak threats if he mount he dies. So under his insulting falchion lies, harmless Lucretia marking what he tells, with trembling fear as foul hear falcon's bells. Lucrece, quoth he, this night I must enjoy thee. If thou deny, then force must work my way, for in thy bed I purpose to destroy thee. 
that done, some worthless slave of thine I'll slay, to kill thine honour with thy life's decay, and in thy dead arms do I mean to place him, swearing I slew him, seeing thee embrace him. So thy surviving husband shall remain the scornful mark of every open eye. Thy kinsmen hang their heads at this disdain. Thy issue blurred with nameless bestiae. And thou, the author of thy obloquy, shall have thy trespass cited up in rhymes and sung by children in succeeding times. But if thou yield, I rest thy secret friend. The fault unknown is as a thought unacted, a little harm done to a great good end, for lawful policy remains enacted. The poisonous simple sometimes is compacted in pure compound being so applied. His venom, in effect, is purified. Then, for thy husband and thy children's sake, send them my suit, bequeath not to their lot. The shame that from them no device can take, the blemish that will never be forgot. Worse than a slavish wipe or birth hours blot, for marks described in men's nativity are nature's fault, not their own infamy. Here, with the cockatrice's dead killing eye, he rouseth up himself and makes a pause, while she, the picture of pure piety, like a white hind under the gripe's sharp claws, pleads in the wilderness where are no laws, to the rough beast that knows no gentle right, nor aught obeys but his foul appetite. But when a black-faced cloud the world doth threat, In his dim mist the aspiring mountains hiding, From earth's dark womb some gentle gust doth get, Which blows these pitchy vapours from their biding, Hindering their present fall by this dividing, So his unhallowed haste her words delays, And moody Pluto winks while Orpheus plays. Yet, foul night-waking cat, he doth but dally, While in his holdfast foot the weak mouse panteth. Her sad behaviour feeds his vulture folly, A swallowing gulf that even in plenty wanteth. His ear her prayer admits, But his heart granteth no penetrable entrance to her plaining, Tis hardened lust, no marble wear with raining. Her pity-pleading eyes are sadly fixed In the remorseless wrinkles of his face, her modest eloquence with sighs is mixed, which to her oratory adds more grace. She puts the period often from his place, amidst the sentence so her accent breaks that twice she doth begin, and once she speaks. She conjures him by high almighty Jove, by knighthood gentry and sweet friendship's oath, by her untimely tears, her husband's love, by holy human law and common truth, by heaven and earth and all the power of both, that to his borrowed bed he make retire, and stoop to honour, not to foul desire. Quoth she, Reward not hospitality with such black pains as thou hast pretended. Mud not the fountain that gave drink to thee, mar not the thing that cannot be amended. End thy ill aim before thy shoot be ended. He is no woodman that doth bend his bow to strike a poor, unseasonable doe. My husband is thy friend, for his sake spare me. Thyself art mighty, for thine own sake leave me. Myself a weakling, do not then ensnare me. Thou look'st not like deceit, do not deceive me. My signs like whale and whirlwinds labor hence to heed thee. If ever man were moved with woman's moans, be moved with my tears, my sighs, my groans. All which together, like a troubled ocean, 
best of thy rocky and rack-threatening heart to soften it with their continual motion, for stones dissolve to water do convert. Oh, if no harder than a stone thou art, melt at my tears and be compassionate. Soft pity enters at an iron gate. In Tarquin's likeness I did entertain thee. Hast thou put on his shape to do him shame? To all the host of heaven I complain me. Thou wrongst his honour, wound'st his princely name. Thou art not what thou seemst, and if the same, thou seemst not what thou art, a god, a king. For kings like gods should govern everything. How will thy shame be seated in thine age, when thus thy vices bud before they spring? If in thy hope thou dar'st do such outrage, what dar'st thou not when once thou art king? Oh, be remembered, no outrageous thing from vassal actors can be wiped away. Then king's misdeeds cannot be hid in clay. This deed will make thee only loved for fear, but happy monarchs still are feared for love. With foul offenders thou perforce must bear, when they in thee like offences prove. If, but for fear of this, they will remove, for princes are the glass, the schools the book. Where subjects' eyes do learn, do read, do look. And wilt thou be the school where lust shall learn? Must he be in thee read lectures of such shame? Wilt thou be glass wherein it shall discern? Authority for sin, warrant for blame? To privilege dishonour in thy name. Thou back'st reproach against long-living lord, and makest fair reputation but a Hast thou command by him that gave it thee? From a pure heart command thy rebel will. Draw not thy sword to guard iniquity, for it was lend thee all thy brute to kill. Thy princely office how canst thou fulfill, when patterned by thy fault foul sin may say, he learned to sin, and thou didst teach the way. Think but how vile a spectacle it were to view thy present trespass in another. Men's faults do seldom to themselves appear, their own transgressions partially they smother. This guilt would seem death-worthy in thy brother. Oh, how are they wrapped in with infamies, that from their own misdeeds askance their eyes? To thee, to thee, my heaved-up hands appeal, not to seducing lust thy rash liar. I sue for exile majesty's repeal, let him return and flattering thoughts retire. His true respect will prison false desire, and wipe the dim mist from thy doting eyne, that thou shalt see thy state, and pity mine. Have done, quoth he, my uncontrolled tide turns not but swells the higher by this let. Small lights are soon blown out, hid fires abide, and with the wind in greater fury fret, the petty streams that pay a daily debt to their salt sovereign with their fresh falls haste, add to his flow, but alter not his taste. Thou art, quoth she, a sea, a sovereign king, and lo, there falls into thy boundless flood, black lust, dishonour, shame, misgoverning, who seek to stain the ocean of thy blood. If all these petty ills shall change thy good, thy sea within a puddle's womb is hearsed, and not the puddle in thy sea dispersed. So shall these slaves be king, and thou their slave, thou nobly base, they basely dignified. 
Thou, thy fair life, and they, thy foul grave. Thou, loathed in their shame, they in thy pride. The lesser thing should not the greater hide. The cedar stoops not to the base shrub's foot, the low shrubs wither at the cedar's root. So let thy thoughts, low vassals to thy state. No more, quoth he, by heaven I will not hear thee. Yield to my love, if not enforced hate. Instead of love's coy touch shall rudely tear thee. That, done despitefully, I mean to bear thee. Unto the base bed of some rascal groom to be thy partner in this shameful doom. This said, he sets his foot upon the light, for light and lust are deadly enemies. Shame folded up in blind concealing night, when most unseen, then most doth tyrannize, the wolf hath seized his prey, the poor lamb cries, till with her own white fleece her voice controlled, entombs her outcry in her lips sweet fold. For with the nightly linen that she wears, he pens her piteous clamours in her head, cooling his hot face in the chastest tears that ever modest eyes with sorrow shed. Oh, the prone lust should sing so pure a bed. The spots whereof could purify her tears should drop on them perpetually. But she hath lost a dearer thing than life, and he hath won what he would lose again. This forced league doth force a further strife, this momentary joy brings months of pain. This hot desire converts to cold disdain. Pure chastity is rifled of her store, and lust the thief far poorer than before. Look as the full-fed hound or gorged hawk, unapt for tender smell or speedy flight, makes slow pursuit or altogether balk the prey wherein by nature they delight. So served taking Tarquin fares this night, his taste delicious, indigestion souring, devours his will that lived by foul devouring. O oh, deeper sin than bottomless conceit can comprehend in still imagination. Drunken desire must vomit his receipt ere he can see his own abomination. While lust is in his pride, no exclamation can curb his heat or rein his rash desire till, like a jade, self-will himself does tire. And then with lank and lean, discoloured cheek, with heavy eye knit brow and strengthless pace, feeble desire, all recreant, poor and meek, like to a bankrupt beggar wails his case. The flesh being proud, desire doth fight with grace, for there it revels, and when that decays, the guilty rebel for remission pays. So fares it with this faultful lord of Rome, who this accomplishment so hotly chased, for now against himself he sounds this doom, that through the length of times he stands disgraced, besides his soul's fair temple is defaced. To whose weak ruins must the troops of cares to ask the spotted princess how she fares? She says her subjects with foul insurrection have battered down her consecrated wall, and by their mortal fault brought in subjection her immortality and made her thrall. To living death and pain perpetual, which in her prescience she controlled still, but her foresight could not forestall their will. Even in this thought through the dark night he stealeth, a captive victor that hath lost in gain, bearing away the wound that nothing healeth, the scar that will despite of cure remain. Leaving his spoil perplexed in greater pain, she bears the load of lust he left behind, and he the burden 
He like a thievish dog creeps sadly hens. She like a weary lamb lies panting there. He scowls and hates himself for his offence. She desperate with her nails, her flesh doth tear. He faintly flies, sweating with guilty fear. She stays exclaiming on the direful night. He runs and chides his vanished loathing delight. He thence departs, a heavy comfortite. She there remains, a hopeless castaway. He in his speed looks for the morning light. She prays she never may behold the day. For day, quoth she, nightscapes doth open lay. And my true eyes have never practiced how to cloak offences with a cunning brow. They think but not that every eye can see that same disgrace which they themselves behold. And therefore would they still in darkness be to have their unseen sin remain untold. For their guilt with weeping will unfold and grave like water that doth eat in steel. Upon my cheeks what helpless shame I feel. The Rape of Lucrece, Part 2, by William Shakespeare, read by David Alexander MacDonald. Original music and direction by David Alexander MacDonald. Appended audio production. Thank you very much for listening. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.